Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. doing good good to see you. good to see everyone please uh, please help me welcome uh, Orange Park and Julington Creek right now as they're piping in to Wednesday night so everybody's kind of easing to the fast right we're kind of easing into the fast here look you just got to get past this first week so just embrace the discomfort just embrace it when you want to eat just say Man, I want God more. I want, I want God more. I have the whole rest of the year to eat cheeseburgers and pizza and whatever else you, you're thinking about. You know what I'm saying? You got the whole rest of the year. But uh, we're, we're uh, really believing God for you during these 21 days. And, you know, every year um, when we have awakening, when we have the season of prayer and fasting, we see God do so many miracles. And uh, we see all kind of miraculous things happen and uh, so we really encourage you you know like clay was praying for those prayer requests fill out those prayer cards we're going to be praying for those prayer cards and uh, just make the most out of this 21 days and it's a great time as well to kind of hit a reset on the year how many of you know what i'm saying we're going to we're going to reset we're going to put god first and uh we're going to prioritize what's important and um and we're going to see god do great things and I really believe that this is going to be a banner year for you. I believe that's the word that God spoke uh, to me to tell you, for you and for our church, it's going to be a banner year. And um, we're going to lift the name of Jesus high, and we're going to see him fight our battles, and we're going to see him do some great, great things. Amen. Can you give God a hand for that? So uh, what? let me uh, just kind of let everybody know what we're going to be doing. I'm going to, I'm going to get into the, the word tonight. Are you all ready to study the word? Ready to get in the Bible? We're going to get into it. And, uh, and then at the end, we're going to be anointing everyone, everyone at all of our locations. Uh, we're going to be anointing you and just consecrating you to God for this fast. And I'll talk a little bit about that in the message. And uh, we're going to set you apart for God over these 21 days, for God to really do something great in your life. Yeah, it's going to be good. Okay, also, hey, I want to remind everyone um, that I wrote a book several years ago. I was looking at my picture on the back of this book, and uh, I look so young. And, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, but this is, you know, the, the premise of this book is, you know, this can be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. Regardless of what happens in the natural, it really can be your best year ever. And I talk about 21 days to revolutionize your relationship with God. And I talk about fasting and prayer and seeking God and the difference between New Testament fasting and Old Testament fasting. And there is a big, big difference. And so um, I just want to say that that's available, you know, at, uh, at the loft and in our resource centers at all of our locations. So um, it'll be a real help. And I just encourage you, whether it's this book, whether it's other resources, Jensen Franklin has some great resources sources on fasting. It really helps you in your fast.
to have resources like that, it'll encourage you to keep going and kind of encourage you, uh, you know, when you're feeling a little hungry or something like that. So, uh, okay, everybody ready? We're going to Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12. And uh, I want to talk to you, I want to kind of revisit this concept of power through posture. A couple of weeks ago, I, I taught about where we originally get the concept of raising our hands. And it goes all the way back to Moses and when the children of Israel were fighting the Amalekites. And where Moses lifted his hands and, and they made a monument there called the Lord, our banner. And in 2018, we're not going to fight like this. We're going to fight like this. We're going to lift Jesus as our banner and he's going to fight our battles for us. And I've even gotten to a habit in my morning prayer time when I begin to pray. Every morning now, you know what I do? I just make sure that I lift my hands. And I say, Lord, I'm lifting you as my banner. And you're going to fight my battles. And, Lord, you are my strength. And you are my strong tower, Lord, in you that I trust. And so we're going to look at that today. And I want to talk about four keys to prevailing prayer. Four keys to prevailing prayer. And I promise you... This will not be a boring prayer message. It's sometimes, oh man, pastor's preaching on prayer. It's like, okay, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be, it's going to, I'm going to give you some good stuff tonight. It's really, and you're going to be like, man, I can do that. I can do that and I can see God open doors for me. I can do that and I can see God uh, step in to my situation. So four keys to prevailing prayer, Acts chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Help us to lean in. God, we thank you that you are going to speak to us tonight, Lord. And 2018 is going to be a banner year in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Okay, so watch this. Watch this, church. Here we go. Acts chapter 12. We're going to read uh, 19 verses. Are you ready? It's going to be on the screen. It says, uh, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And, and this Sunday, I'm going to talk about a whole, this is actually Peter. We're going to take a look at, this is his second miraculous deliverance from prison. And then this Sunday, we're going to take a look at, at, at a miraculous deliverance from prison that Paul had. And uh, look what it says. It says, uh, it says, this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to, the, to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So let me, let me tell you what's going on here. So he arrests Peter, Right? But man, Peter's got this reputation of like, okay, this is the dude that miraculously escaped before. This is the guy that miracles followed. I even heard like his shadow healed somebody one time. So here's what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put 16 guards on one guy. Come on, it's like, a, it's like a sci-fi action movie, isn't it? It's like 16 guards. We're going to put 16 guards on one guy. And I'm going to tell you why the enemy, you know the enemy wanted to take Peter out. I'm going to tell you why, not only those rumors and what they knew about Peter, but why they put 16 guards on him. Because look at the, at the next verse. It says uh, they put four squads of four soldiers each. It said, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. 
So Peter was kept in prison, but the church, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So here's when the enemy knows, watch, watch. When the enemy knows that the church is praying, when he knows that you're praying, when he knows that you're praying for, 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 for doors to be open, for captives to be set free, when he knows that that's going on, he's doubling down trying to keep you down. Do you see what I'm saying? The church was praying, I guarantee the enemy, he loved to take Peter out. James just, just went on to be with the Lord. He, man, this is great. I'm going to get these apostles. These, I'm going I'm to get these guys out of here. He'd love to take them out. And he's like, man, the church is praying. He is doubling down. He's quadrupling down because the church is praying. See, see here's, here's the thing. When you begin to pray, when you begin to turn your face to seek God, like we talked about last Sunday where the angel told Daniel, Daniel, since day one, since day one, God heard your prayer and I've been on my way. When you begin to pray, the enemy knows, Satan knows that's going to limit him. So he tries to limit you. I want to let you know right now, if you're seeking God, if you're pressed into God and there's things happening, I mean, I can tell you, I went the, Monday when we started the fast, it's Wednesday, it's like already, man, it's like five things have gone wrong. Anybody relate? <laughs> hey, you don't get the breakthrough on day three. You get the breakthrough on day 21. How many of you are like, maybe I'll get an early breakthrough. Is there like a day 10 breakthrough? Is there like a... I'm just going seven. Is there a seven-day blessing? <laughs> well, what I'm saying is that's what happens. You, if you feel like you're being limited many times, see, the enemy is going to try to limit you because, you know, pr prayer is going to eventually limit him. So he's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to back you off. So look what it says. The church is praying for you. Look, that night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Man, that's faith right there, huh? He's about to go to trial. James has just been beheaded. He got 16 guards up in there. I think Peter kind of made his peace with God. What, what do y'all think? I'll let, Peter's like, look, man, I've been going through this a lot. Uh, I, you know, whatever, Jesus, I believe you to get me out of here, but, you know, I'm good, Lord. I mean, he's sound asleep before the execution. It says, look, that night here was, before here was going to bring him to trial, look, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. I mean, he's sleeping between, look, bound with two chains, two soldiers, two chains, 16 guards all together, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. I love this. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. I'm just telling you right now, whatever, however you were boxed in, whatever you were going through, whatever's holding you down, whatever's pushing you back, I'm telling you, you keep seeking God, and we're going to keep praying. And I'm telling you, a suddenly, isn't this just like, hey, isn't that just like what happened to Daniel? He's praying, it's 21 days, it's nothing, and then bam, an angel shows up. Here's Peter, the church is praying. We don't know how long the church has been praying, and it's like, it just looks totally impossible, and bam, this angel shows up. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. I love this. Look, quick, get up. 
Look, he said, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Now look at the angel. Then the angel said, put your clothes on. <laughs> so the angel comes in. There's a light in the cell. Peter's still sleeping. I was like, get up. The chains fall off. <laughs> the angel's like, okay, we're going to get dressed now. You put your clothes on. Don't forget your shoes, Peter. No, you see what I'm saying? Like, Peter, we're going to see her. Like, like Peter's kind of dazed. Like, what's going on here? The angel's like, get up. I ain't taking you out here naked. Put your clothes on. Get your sandals on. In case you haven't realized it, Peter, this is a miracle deliverance right here. Look what he says. And Peter did so. <laughs> Wrap your cloak. <laughs> Every little instruction. Brush your teeth. No, wrap your cloak. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He was just sacked out. He just had, he's thinking he's dreaming or something. That's what's going on. He says he thought, it says he thought he was seeing a vision. Look, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. I love this. It opened for them by itself. Mm. Jesus says, I open doors no man can shut. I'm telling you right now, some of you, you have had a door that's been closed for you for a long, long time. You know what's going to happen in this, in this season of prayer and fasting? As you're lifting up the Lord, it's just going to open all up, all by itself. You're not going to need to beat it down. You're not going to need to worry about it. God knows how to open doors no one can shut. It says, uh, and so, so they go through it. It says, uh, when they had walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord, oh really? <laughs> you don't say. Okay, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and has rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Now, I want to I wanna take a pause in the story right here because I said Sunday I was going to do this. And both of these stories have angels in them. And we were talking this past Sunday about uh, this angel. We think it might have been Gabriel. We don't know for certain. But was in this battle with this fallen angel, the prince of Persia. And, uh, and then Michael had to come help this angel break through, and then that angel brought the revelation and the answer to prayer uh, to Daniel and helped the Jewish people rebuild the temple and all that. So, so can I give you a few things on angels? And let me tell you why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because uh, ever last year when I preached on readiness, how many of you remember when I preached that series on readiness and being ready for the Lord's return? Well, as I was studying that, and I started looking again at kind of the end times. And uh, it's a very prophetic year with Israel. Israel's going to be 70 years old as a nation. Uh, that's the number of a generation. It's not the only number of a generation in the Bible. 80 is also a generational number. 120 is also a generational number. If you go back uh, and look at uh, the days of Noah. However, <clears throat> as I was studying this, it's very hard to understand the meta-narrative of what's going on with the fall of man and the age of man if you don't understand the involvement of angels 
fallen angels, and specifically Lucifer, who is now Satan. Is everybody following me here? The whole Genesis 3.16, the war between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and how that has played out over time. And when you get to Revelations, what we look at there, that's just the final battle in this six, 7,000-year-old uh, war between the seed of the serpent, and we're going to talk about who that is and what that is and all that, and the seed of the woman that is Jesus. And thank God, God has been fighting for us ever since Adam succumbed to temptation and sinned, and God is on our side. And so here's the thing. The war is already won, but there's a lot of battles to be fought. And, uh, and God is fighting for us. And so, so that's why what I'm trying to do is where there's angels where I'm preaching, I'm just trying to sow, trying to stir up some soil here to kind of get some info out there on angels when I can so we're just not going into it cold turkey when I start that series on Wednesday night in a couple of weeks. Is everybody following me on that? Okay, and so, so let me just say this about angels, and I have some scriptures, scriptures here. Uh, First of all, um, how many angels are there? Let me give you a scripture in Hebrews 12, 22. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to what? An innumerable company of angels. If you look up that word innumerable in the dictionary, it means too many to count. <laughs> That's what innumerable is. And so the first thing that we need to understand about angels is that I believe there's way more angels than human beings. I believe that, that you know, you can count human beings. Angels are innumerable. Angels were created before us, and that was part of the tension with Lucifer when he fell because when God created Adam and God called the angels to serve Adam, I'm gonna walk you through scriptures in Ezekiel later on with this, and God called the angels now to serve Adam and to serve and to worship his image in Adam. This is before Adam fell. That was one of the main issues that Lucifer had is the anointed cherubim. He, he would not serve. Aren't you glad that when Jesus came, he said, whoever wants to be great among you should be a what? Servant, servant of all. That the Son of Man came what not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's what Lucifer couldn't do. That he could not, he could not serve. He would not serve. He would not bow. And that kind of started, uh, or, or things had been building, but that was the main deal right there. And that's where iniquity was found uh, in him. And that kind of started this whole thing and uh, tempted Adam and Eve, and they fell, and all that kind of stuff. And so, I can't remember what I was talking about. What was I talking about? <laughs> Angels. So there's an innumerable. <laughs> I'm fasting, y'all. Look, if I, if I say something, I say, Moses said that, you're like, no, that was Paul. Okay, just know. <laughs> no, I'm fasting. But it's important to know that there's an innumerable company of angels. And, and once again, I'm gonna talk about this in a couple of weeks. You might be saying, well, still, all, you know, like back in Genesis and all that kind of stuff and the, all these angels and, and all that, it's so important, pre-flood especially, when you look at the ancient world, it's so important that you understand that the veil between the supernatural and natural between heaven and earth was very, very thin. It started out in the garden. There was no veil. 
God himself walked in the garden. Can you imagine that? Walked in the garden with Adam, and there's angels. Also in Ezekiel, that's where Lucifer was, pre-fall. He was in the garden. Mount Zion, the heavenly city, was there. We have no idea what was going on in the earth uh, in those days, outside of the garden. And what? And how long did how long were Adam and Eve there before they fell into sin? And and the, there was no veil. It was like heaven and earth were. Are y'all into this? Y'all gonna let me go down this tangent? I'm gonna get back on prayer in a second. So there was no veil between heaven and earth. Then what happened when, when Adam sinned, right? All of a sudden, we were, we were incompatible with God. And that's what started to separate the veil. And you see the slow separation. They're still living to what, 900 years old? Remember these people in the back in the gym, 900 years old, all this stuff happening. And so, but the veil slowly starts to, 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 to thicken between heaven and earth earth between the natural and the supernatural. Then after the flood, it's still fairly thin as compared to day. And then we finally get to Jesus' day, and it's a very, very thick deal. That's why when Jesus came on the scene and started doing all the miracles, everybody was like, wow, we never seen stuff like this. Like, this is amazing. And then Jesus was crucified, and what? The Bible says the, the veil was torn in two. But that's the first part of the veil. That was the veil that had to do with our incompatibility with God in terms of relationship. Come on, now because of the blood of Jesus, now we're compatible with God again. We can have a relationship with God. There's no veil between us and God. But on the earth, there's still this veil. That veil will begin to thin until we get to, it. just as the days of Noah, so being the son of man, just as after the, watch, after the fall, it kept getting thicker and thicker and thicker until the flood. So watch, as we get closer to the tribulation, to Christ's return, the veil's gonna get thinner and thinner and thinner. And then by the time you get in the tribulation, there's no veil. Prophets are calling down fire from heaven. The Antichrist is doing all kinds of miracles. There's no atheists, just by the way. So if you're an atheist tonight, if you're still alive by the time you get the tribulation, you won't be. I don't know, hey, I don't know if you will believe in the right God, but you will believe in a God. So I'm telling you, you better bow your knee to Jesus right now. So, okay. So that's why the angel stuff is important. It's all interconnected with the seed, with the image, all this kind of stuff, okay? So, so where was I? Let me give you two types of angels so you'll understand this. All right, so we see they're innumerable. Look at Job 38, 4, 7. I'm going to show you two types. Uh-uh. We're going back there in a second. Look what Job says. So here's God answering Job. It's a great lesson in not talking back to God, okay? So God's kind of answering Job and, and, and kind of putting him in his place in a nice way. And uh, he says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? I'm going to talk about that later on. Who stretched the line upon it? And to what were its foundations fastened? Look, who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the what? Sons of God shouted for joy. 
These are the two types of angels. I'm going to talk about that word there, sons of God, then Elohim. Think of the son of God. God refers to his sons of everyone who is a direct creation. That's why the Jews are called the children of Abraham. They were not called the children of God. Adam was called the son of God. Why? Because he was a direct creation. Angels that were a direct creation are called sons of God. That's why in the New Testament, guess what? We're called the sons of God. Why? There's a direct creation. You have to be born again. We're new creatures in Christ. Come on. You didn't become a child of God through your mom and dad. You were a a direct creation by the Holy Spirit. And all the sons of God, so we know humans aren't even there yet. And all the sons of God shouted for joy. So there's two types of angels. We get morning stars is one kind of, that's the type that Lucifer was. Now remember, Jesus is the bright and morning star. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. We're talking about angels, all right? We're, this is, Jesus is above everybody. But, but uh, there's two types, okay? There's the cherubim and seraphim, all right? So you think of the cherubim, that was Ezekiel's vi- vision. Which, by the way, we're talking about the veil. <sighs> I'm going to get you out on time. Okay, so watch. So, so, so this is why you see, whenever you see in the Bible, oh Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Whenever you see in the Bible, I mean, when Stephen was getting stoned and he saw what? I saw the heavens opened. And I saw one like the sun, I saw one like the son of man coming on clouds in great glory. Whenever you see that term, you see it in Ezekiel, and I saw the heavens opened. And here comes these cherubim and, and the wheel within a wheel and all this. And Ezekiel's about to, when you see that the heaven open. I'll show you this language in the Hebrew. When it says the heavens are open, it's the, and the veil was pulled back. In other words, the thickness that was there, it was pulled back. And I saw heaven and earth together. I saw what was going on in the unseen. So, so the cherubim, you see them show up with Ezekiel. And then the seraphim, those are the angels that you would, uh, where was that? That was Isaiah, chapter 6. Remember when Isaiah, the heavens were open. And he, he was all of a sudden, like he was in the throne room of God. And then this angel with six wings and all this kind of stuff came up to him. Remember, he says, well, that's it. Woe's me. I'm dead. I'm done. Shouldn't be in here. It's not good. So the cherubim and seraphim and whatever other angels are in that category, I would say that these are the most powerful because they are closest to the presence of God. Real quick picture. Show the cherubim. The cherubim were the two angels designed on the Ark of the Covenant. Real quick. Right there. Can't be scaring people till I'm ready for them to be scared, all right? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is very important, and we're this, we're, we'll tie this in later. Here's the thing, though, about the, the, the cherubim. That's how they are the ark, and their wings are covering their faces. But the Bible does say, show the face. That, this is, show the face. You can scare them now. Show the face. Their faces, it's like this four-sided face. One's like an eagle. One's like a lion. You see the bull on the back. And one's like a man. I'm, I'm trying to get, if you've seen a picture of a cherubim, like from the Renaissance, and it's like a fat little baby, you know, with little bumblebee wings going on, like holding a little, holding a little, we gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ding you. <laughs> That's not how the Bible describes cherubim. In fact, this is an artist's rendering of Ezekiel's vision. The four wings. You see little Ezekiel down there? <laughs> Here comes a wheel with that. 
Now show, show a seraphim. Here's a picture of a seraphim a guy did of Isaiah's vision. Two cover their face, two cover their feet, two are in the middle, flying around. It talks about the energy. I'm just, I'm letting y'all know, like, these are serious beings that you see. And think about this. You can take that down. As serious as these beings are, God just spoke them. Just spoke them into existence. They are nothing, nothing. No That's why you got to understand Satan is nothing to God. God is not threatened. But we're, look, God's not fighting Satan. He is fighting Satan. We're fighting Satan. And God's fighting for us. God is not threatened. God is high and above. God is so, he's God. Isn't he awesome? Give Jesus a hand for that. So what? I'm going to move. Okay, I got to get off this. This is what happened when I fast, I ramble. So that's one time. And then the other time would be this. If you're following in your notes on your, your app, they would be uh, the watchers or messengers. Watchers or messengers. Did you put that up there? Yeah. The, which that's the other in the scripture called the sons of God. Okay. So these are like Michael, Gabriel, all these. And then I, I have like these are in my study. These are, I have like eight names. I don't know which seven are archangels. I think there's probably 11 chief angels and Enoch makes 12. Enoch is not an angel. Enoch is a raptured human being. But I believe when Lucifer fell, just like Paul was the Gentile, I believe one of the reasons that Enoch was raptured up to heaven is to help the high council administrate the affairs of, of man by God because he, he understood men. So, so you, want, you want the names of these angels that I studied? And then we'll get to prayer. I'm hoping this will encourage you because, man, I mean, we've been looking in the Bible, Daniel, and now in the New Testament Acts, God's sending angels to beat people up, blow open prisons. We're going to see Sunday causing earthquakes. Here's what I'm trying to say. You don't pray to angels. You don't think about angels. You pray to God. You think about God. But I'm telling you, when you begin to pray, God brings the power of heaven at your disposal. They're here to serve us. And the Bible says after the resurrection in the millennium, we're going to rule over angels. Try to think about that. <laughs> Be flying around on one of those things. So watch this. <laughs> My, so we know Mike, let, let me give you their names real quick. Follow me. Is these going up there? Michael, his name is who, who is like God. Michael's the, the highest, at least the archangel that we know of now. Satan, Lucifer, was the highest cherubim. He was the anointed cherubim. He was like second in command. And he was the closest to God. Talked about he walked in the fire and all that. So uh, Michael, who's like God, Gabriel. We know of Gabriel, right? God is my strength. He's a special messenger. Michael's like the leader of God's armies. Raphael, Jehovah Rapha, God heals. That's a very prevalent angel in Jewish culture and, and other extra-biblical texts. Raphael, Phanuel or Peniel, that means face of God. I believe the angel that, that uh, Jacob wrestled with was this angel right here. I do not believe God got off the throne and did a wrestling match with, uh, with Jacob. I believe that was an angel. And it's interesting, his name means face of God. Jacob said, I've seen the face of God. And also, it, it says that 
he is set over helping bring men unto repentance that they may uh, inherit eternal life. So remember, that's where God changed Jacob's name to Israel. He needed to repent. He needed to change. Just interesting. Don't know if it's true. I didn't get that out of the Bible. I got that out of other uh, Jewish texts and commentators. Uh, Other major angels, Raguel, friend of God. He's called friend of God, but he's like the sheriff. He takes vengeance on the luminaries and fallen angels who've transgressed the law. Uriel, God is my life. Sarkel, he's over eternity and trembling and the spirits who sin. I'm not really sure what that is, but I don't want to be involved with him. (laughs) I mean, any angel that's over trembling. And then Remiel, thunder of God. He's over those who rise. Like he, that's, that's said to be the angel that guides the Christians or, or the saved people when they die. He guides us to heaven. And so those are just eight names um, and, uh, that are prevalent in Jewish culture in extra biblical texts uh, like Jasher and Enoch and some of the Dead Sea Scrolls and things like that. So I'm trying to kind of give some context here for when I get into this end time series. Is that okay with everybody? It's, it's, um, I just want to say this. Remember, Jesus is the only God. He is God. He is no angel. Amen. And, uh, he was and is and is to come. Okay. Now, are y'all ready to pray? Ready to get anointed with oil? Ready to get consecrated with God? So watch this. Verse 12. I'm back to verse 12. I'm going to be done in 10 minutes. How many of y'all believe that? I am. I'm going to be done in 10 minutes. I know some of y'all have kids. Look, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. Look, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhonda came and answered the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. I love this. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Look. They're praying for Peter's release. He knocks on the door. She opens it. She sees it's Peter, and she shuts the door in his face and runs back and says, Peter's there. And look what, look what, I love this. Come on, how many of you would admit you would say this? Look at verse 15. You're out of your mind. They're praying for his release. They're praying for his release. This, this big group, the church was over 5,000 people back then. There's probably 50, I don't know, 50, 60 people. They're praying for God to release Peter. Peter knocks on the door. The girl runs, opens it, seizes Peter, slams the door in his face, runs back to the people and said, Peter's here. And they say, you are out of your mind. <laughs> Isn't that just like us? Come on, aren't you glad that God's faith, here's what I'm saying. All you got to do is this. All you got to do is pray. All you got to do is, 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 is believe God. God sends the answer even though you don't recognize it. Guess what? It's still there. He's going to send the answer. I believe God's sending the answer to so many of you. Look, look. it says, you're out of your mind, but she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, oh, it must be his angel. So watch this. They would like, that's where their faith was. We believe it's an angel. Let's go see the angel. Well, we don't believe Peter could get out that fast. Isn't that interesting? But Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. Peter Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, because you know they're all hollering, going crazy. Peter's here, Peter's here. You know, policemen outside. 
The motion, and, and described how the Lord brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had made a thorough search for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Bad day for the 16 guards. Can I give you this? Four keys of prevailing pr prayer. Follow me real quick. Look, they were specific. You want God to answer your prayer? Be specific. Don't be praying a prayer like, oh, Lord, just save the whole world. <laughs> I pray for peace for everybody. Let everybody be fed and happy. Now watch. Always say this. What are the three things that are really on your heart? You, who, who do you love that's far from God? You pray for that person to know Jesus. You got to be specific. Lord, I'm praying for this. God, I pray that you do this in my life. Lord, I pray for this specific person that you would do this. They were specific. They were praying for Peter. They weren't up there praying, Lord, let all the good people out of prison that there ever is around here. No, we're praying for Peter and we're doing and here's the second thing. They were fervent it says they earnestly prayed for him. So there's two things about er, er, uh, praying earnestly. That means you're praying fervently, and it means you're praying persistently, okay? Let me say something about fervent prayer. Fervent prayer, it's not that you're loud. You don't have to be all emotional, wear your emotions on your sleeves like I do, okay? You don't have to be praying loud on everybody, you know, bothering everybody, all that kind of stuff. Don't pray out loud at work, you're going to get fired. Be a, good, be a good worker and do your job. Pray in tongues quietly under your lips. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what? Here's what fervent. Here's what fervent. You're going to be fervent about something. That, once again, something that you care about. You can be quiet, but you can be fervent because it's something you care about. Here's the other thing. They were persistent. We don't know how long they were praying. In fact, they were so persistent. I don't even know. They didn't even realize when the answer came. There's something good about that. Maybe they thought they hadn't prayed long enough. Maybe it was the seven-day blessing. Maybe it was a 10-day awakening. Maybe God is going to send you something, but you have to be persistent. You, that's why the Bible says, what, well, we got to keep asking. We got to keep knocking. We got to keep seeking. We just, we got to be persistent. We got to stay in faith knowing what? The answer's on the way. Since the first day you prayed, the answer is on the way. It's just sometimes what? For a breakthrough, you got to have a? Kind of a pray through. Just stay persistent. The answer's on its way. Let me give you this scripture, James 5:14. Look, is anyone among you sick? I'm asking that to everybody. Is anyone sick in their mind, in their body? Let him call for the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're about to do that in three minutes. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Come on, do you believe that tonight? It's gonna save the sick, it will heal you. Look. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Look, the, effect, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So here's what this is saying right there. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're, you call people that are sick. You're going to anoint them with oil. I'm going to talk about, talk about that. You anoint them with oil. Sometimes the reason that we're sick, watch, is because we're in disobedience. Listen, you know, when you're in sin, what happens? When you're in sin, you're depressed, 
Come on. You feel condemned. You might feel dirty. You feel, you're, it's, 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 sin affects you physically. You can open yourself up to, for, 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 for sickness. Your immune system is down and all that. So there, the, the, it, he's, James is getting things right here. He's like, look, call him up. We're going to consecrate him to God. We're going to pray over him faith. Look, if you have sins, you need to repent. That's not a problem with God. Come on, because of the blood of Jesus, all of your sins are going to be uh, forgiven. And the prayer of faith will save the six. Here's, here's what anointing, uh, why it's so important. Okay, remember, Jesus was the anointed one. In the Old Testament, they always anointed kings. They always anointed anyone or, or, or even anything that was consecrated, set apart to God. Are you following me? So what anointing with oil is, it's, it's an intensifier. Just like fasting is an intensifier. When you get anointed with oil, you know what you're saying? Lord, I'm serious. Lord, I want to be set apart to you for special care, healing, and attention. That's always been, and you might be like, well, can't God do that anyway? Yes, yes he can, but, but why do we get water baptized? Why do you come to the altar? Why do, you, why do we do things like that? There's something about where there's a contact point of faith where you're showing God, God, I'm serious, and I want to be set apart to you. You know what, Lord? I even might have my best makeup on, but I'm willing to get some oil slapped on right here, right on my forehead, Lord, because being set apart to you is the most important thing that I can do, and I want to be healed. I want to be marked by you, God. People are getting marked by everything else. Let's get marked by God. And the last thing is this their prayers were unified. Matthew 18, 19. Jesus said, Again, I say, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, say anything, anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Anything that's going to happen right now. Remember this prayer must be our first response and not our last resort. Satan tries to limit your praying because he knows your praying will limit him. I want to ask you this. Have you prayed about what you've complained about? If we do more praying and less complaining, I'm telling you right now, God will begin to open those doors that have been shut for a long time. And you have to have a pray through to get a breakthrough. Come on, are y'all ready? Right now, it's 8-12 right now. Did I finish almost on time? Only Six minutes, 33 seconds over Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Everything you need will be added unto you. That was the Lord confirming that it was okay for me to go six minutes and 33 seconds over the clock. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.